Welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to the talk show for talkers here on irishtalkers.com. I know you thought you were going to hear Ted Melanthi with his mellifluous tones inviting you to come and listen, but today Ted is on holiday and I thought we'd have a change and try and brighten the thing up a bit. My name is Moira O'Brien and you're very welcome to Irish Talkers and the Talk Show for Talkers. You can find us on Facebook, as always, as the Talk Show for Talkers and on our website as irishtalkers.com. And today, not surprisingly, I am joined by none other than the persuasive Paul Omani. Paul, you're very well, it's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure to be with you today, Moira, and to be with all the listeners. Indeed so. Now, we're on Zoom today because being holiday period, it's very difficult to get our work and our diaries coordinated sufficiently. So bear with us, and uh, I hope that the quality of this broadcast is not too much uh, to your dislike. Oh, let's turn that around and be positive. I hope you enjoy this show, which is going to be much like uh, our usual shows. We're going to bring you something from YouTube, uh, which I think you will enjoy. And we'll have a little bit of dis- discussion about it in part two. In part three, Paul... What uh, Moira, you- excuse the interruption, but let me say... In addition to bringing people something from YouTube, we're going to bring something from one of the greatest leaders that has ever existed in human history. Well, this is very true. (laughs) I was trying not to overhype it, but there we are. I don't think one can overhype this particular speaker, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. We will have in part three, Paul, your contribution this week. Yes, I'm going to speak about... Toastmasters as a global organization. Which it most certainly is. And in part four, I'm going to revert back to one of my favorite subjects, that of storytelling. And we'll try and delve a little bit deeper into the art of that same. And of course, we'll have a word of the week and a thought for the week. And let's start off with the thought for the week. And... Our thought for the week this week is from Nelson Mandela. And he said, amongst many, many other inspirational quotes, he said, it is wise to persuade people to do things and make them think it was their own idea. It is wise to persuade people to do things and make them think it was their own idea. Isn't that so true, Paul? Well, that's one of my ideas, Moira. I've always been in favour of this, and I'm glad to see Nelson Mandela take it up himself. Well, I'm, I'm sure he got the quote from your good self. Well, the key <laughs> thing is that he was trying to persuade a lot of people, not just the black population in South Africa, the coloured population, the white population, but he was trying to persuade the whole of the rest of the world that the future in South Africa was bright rather than what a lot of people thought, that it was going to be disaster. Indeed, indeed. And his words and his way of speaking 
was in itself just inspirational because he had such a beautiful voice, didn't he? He had a beautiful accent, a beautiful voice, and a beautiful way with words. And maybe, well, let's. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree about that point. But one of the key things about this quotation is that it it really challenges the idea that you are at your most persuasive when you're saying to people, I think, I want, I believe. And when you are using the I word, you are not as persuasive as when you're using the you word. Well, to you be, already know. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, Paul, uh, he didn't actually use the word you. It's wise. It, 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 is, it is wise to persuade people to do things and make them think it was their idea. It's all about them rather than all about you. But that's uh, maybe uh, uh, picking straws out of, yeah, you know what I mean, nitpicking. But yes, I, I do hear what you say. There is no I in there. There is only them. And then... And indeed, many, many could, people come to Toastmasters because they want to make, they hope to be able to make a more persuasive speech than they could make before they joined Toastmasters. Indeed. Now, you could turn this around and say it is wise to persuade you to do things or to persuade people to do things and make them think it was... No, you see, you can't do it. You can't bring you into it. <laughs> or I, this can only be said the way Nelson Mandela said it. But there we are. That's the life of, that's the way that things go when you are someone of the stature of Nelson. Paul, I believe that uh, you have a word for us and I'm not going to try to uh, be egregious by using the word out of context but uh, perhaps you would like to explain what your word of the week is. Well, let's go back to Shakespeare in order to introduce the word of the week this week. Remember the speech, Friends, Romans, Countrymen by Mark Antony? Of course. In how, that speech. How could one forget? In, in that speech, Mark Antony says, The noble Brutus had told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously had Caesar answered it. Now, if Shakespeare had been born, let's say, about 20 years later, and he'd written that uh, speech, let's say around 16, well, let's say around 1620, um, Shakespeare wouldn't have written, it was a grievous fault, and grievously had Caesar answered it. He would have written, if it were so, it was an egregious fault, and grievously had Caesar answered it. In other words, he wouldn't have repeated grievous. Mm -hmm. He would have had another word available to him, which wasn't available to him when he wrote Julius Caesar, because the word egregious didn't enter the English language until late in the 16th century. Uh, funnily enough, the word began its life in Latin, as many do, but egregious meant the opposite of what it means today. Egregious meant illustrious and remarkably good. But uh, it's pretty certain, according to the scholars, that the word was used in an ironic sense. So in that sense, it was used to mean the opposite of what it actually meant. So you could say, oh, that was an egregious uh, gift uh, 
which you gave the person. In other words, that was a marvelous gift, uh, remarkably good. When what you meant was that was a blooming, awful, <laughs> abominable, abhorrent, and outrageous gift, which you gave that person for their birthday. Mm-hmm. So, how many situations, Moira, have you been in when you wanted to say, that's dreadful, that's gross, ghastly, terrible, horrific, and appalling? How many times have you wanted to say that? Today, for example. Today? No, I, I wouldn't say I, I've said today, but I, I do understand the, the, the use of a word in its opposite. You know, that it, it's, a, it's a sardonic expression, um, isn't it? That you're, you're using a word in its opposite context with a twinkle. Oh, with a twinkle. Yes. Or, yes, but let's yeah. not let's not confuse the use of the word egregious. Today, it means awful, bad. It does not mean remarkably good anymore. So there's no really easy way, by and large, for transforming its meaning by very subtle things. You're going to confuse people, in other words. But there was an appalling interruption during our an earlier part of recording of this podcast when something happened which completely disturbed the recording and the recording had to be started again. That was... An egregious... <laughs> dreadful. That was an egregious interruption by uh, an egregious canine interruption which completely is abhorrent to you and I who are recording this now. So I do think that even though you quite charitably weren't able to remember yourself having a pretty awful experience today, that indeed you have. And many of our listeners will want a really good word that they wouldn't be used to using. And what I propose is that we try out the word egregious. Well, to be fair to said canine, it was not really his fault because he was telling me that there was a UPS delivery at my front door. So he was merely doing his job. It was not an egregious act on his part. It was a charitable act because he, it meant that I knew before the said UPS driver rang my doorbell, I knew that he was there. Well, you're being very persuasive and you are rising to the defense of your dog as any noble person would. Indeed so. Let's look forward to what we have to come. And as we said at the beginning of the show, we are going to bring you a speaker of not just great renown, but world-class speaker. And this is none other than uh, the person we mentioned earlier in the show, Nelson Mandela. So come back for part two, which will be broadcast at 4 p.m. tomorrow. That's uh, 4 p.m. Saturday. We will be bringing you Nelson Mandela's inauguration speech in 1994. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.